0: have the natural ability to go out and speak in front of people. It wasn't who I was. I had to develop that.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in Accounting, a podcast production of whereaccountantsgo.com. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this podcast. Well, for this week's episode, I was able to schedule an interview with Jay Kimmelman jay is in the orlando area but he travels quite a bit in his role as a zero ambassador plus given the fact that he is a co-founder of a business with one of our former guests amanda Aguilar, of blue wire strategies and he also owns and runs the digital cpa out of orlando as well he really does travel quite a bit a couple of interesting things about jay you'll hear it in his voice He really loves what he does and he isn't happy unless he has a lot going on. He's also always been very interested in technology within accounting. He's the type of person that spots inefficiencies automatically and he isn't quite happy until he can make things work better. It really was a fun discussion to record. One side note though, Scheduling was a little bit of an issue on both our sides, and when we finally got this on the calendar, it turned out that Jay was recovering a little bit from a cold. He powered through it like a champ, but likely you'll hear a little bit of the hoarseness in the recording. We cleaned it up and editing as much as possible, but you know, I didn't want to pass up this opportunity to interview Jay, so we went ahead with it. I knew that he would have some good content for us, and I wasn't disappointed. If you enjoyed this podcast yourself, please check us out online. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. We have all kinds of audio and written accounting career-focused materials there. We have all our other podcasts. We have several books. We have blog entries. And now we even have a new job board. In fact, you want to check that out because it's been attracting several positions in public accounting recently. You can find it all at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. Here's our interview with Jay Kimmelman.
2: Well, hello, Jay. Welcome to the show.
1: Hey there. Glad to be here.
2: Wonderful. Well, for our audience, we have Jay Kimmelman on the show today, and Jay is in the Orlando, Florida area, and and he has a lot going on. I came across Jay initially because he works with one of our previous guests, Amanda Aguilard, in Blue Wire Strategies. But he's also the founder of the Digital CPA. And and honestly, the name of that business just piqued my interest. And so I had to find out a little bit more about Jay and see if we could get him on the program. Jay, I I know we've got a lot of ground to cover, and I, I definitely want to get into your more entrepreneurial you know, ventures in the last few years, but I like to start at the beginning because people need to understand your background and, and sort of how you got to where you are today. What led you sure. to pursue accounting as a career in the first place?
0: So I was in high school and my uncle was a partner at P. Marwick in New York City. I grew up in the suburbs of New York City, so that was kind of what I knew of at the time. So that's kind of where I kind of led my career path. Wow.
2: So you and, were always uh, going to be an accountant.
0: Yeah. I, it started, I actually in, it was either 11th or 12th grade in high school. I took a college accounting class and half the group was like serious want to be accountants. And the other half was just there to have fun. And, you know, it was a bunch of my friends and everything. So we had a really great class and I really had to give it up to the teacher at the time because he had his hands full because we were all just messing around the whole time, but it was one of those things that I really really picked up. Even though I was a very technological person back then, but there was no technology involved. I mean, everything we did was on was textbooks and ledger paper. So it was really strange for me to really like it, but I did. And yeah, the class was really really interesting. So so much so that on student teacher swap day, I got to be the teacher for the class, so one of those fun things for me, and uh, I got to start my college career with credits going into college, which nowadays is nothing. I mean, the kids in 10th grade are getting college credits today, but, you know, back then in the 80s when I was going through my schooling, it was a different world back then.
2: It's interesting. I, I knew you could get college credits in high school in other topics, you know, English, math, and yeah things like that but i I didn't realize there was an opportunity to do that in accounting anywhere at any time actually that's, hmm, that's intriguing yeah it was fun you know there's a joke in there somewhere you said that so half of you <laughs> in that class <laughs> i think you know, might know where I'm going half of you were yeah. in it to be serious, and the other half were in it for fun, which <laughs>
0: hey, buddy, let's let's take an accounting course. It'll be a blast, you know? <laughs> I, it's kind of how it was. It was a, a bunch of friends of mine that actually joined the class. It's like, you know, we, were, we played sports together, and, you know, we were all friends, and we were like the jokers in the class. We sat in the back, and it's like, you know, it was a lot of good memories, so now I'm thinking about it, so. <laughs> Beautiful. So did you
2: go straight through college as an accounting major then? No
0: twists or turns? You knew what you were going to do? I did. I went right into college as an accounting major and I had the usual pitfalls, you know, going through college was, you know, the accounting world was condensing and the college was doing the same thing. And I started out and I couldn't take the courses in order. So it's like I was taking things kind of in reverse and I got to the point where I took accounting too. And I wasn't really ready for it. And it's like, okay, I took it and got a C. So it's like, okay, well, let's take it again. And and that's one of those classes where it's like that class where you got to get through it to get through your major. So I took it a second time the next semester, and guess what? Got a C again. But you know what? It made me better for it because I actually worked harder after that. So. It was interesting and I really enjoyed my time in college, you know, being a member of Beta Alpha Psi and and meeting a lot of interesting people. And I I always tell this story about my time in Beta Alpha Psi. Well, actually, there's two interesting stories there. One was my favorite guest speaker was a special, uh, I don't know what his title was, but he was an FBI agent and they worked on the white collar crimes. And it's like, oh yeah, that really piqued my interest because Being in law enforcement was kind of an interest, but, you know, being an accountant and being able to do that as well, I really, really maybe want to even do more about jumping into it and being an accountant and, and figuring that out. You know, what, what could be better being an accountant with a badge and gun? I mean, come on, (laughs) but as a senior, we had a Beta Alpha Psi faculty softball game and I put a line drive off my professor's ankle and busted his foot. And that was the highlight of my college career because that just put the icing on the cake. And I must say that from a positive perspective for him, but I was like freaking out. I'm like, Oh great. We still got to get through the class and all this is going to hate me. And yeah, it it was a great experience because it brought us much closer together. He was actually one of the advisors in Beta alpha psi and we had worked together and it's like, I felt so bad about that, and here we were going into the summer, and I broke his ankle, and he was stuck wearing this cast all summer. Oh! And I ended up seeing him a couple years later, and all the way across the building, and he's like, "Hey, you, <laughs> I go over there very meekishly," and he just, you know, gave me a hug and it's like, you know, it's all good. But it was one of those really interesting things. It's like, why did that happen? So <laughs> it's interesting just, how some relationships start, you know. <laughs> It really was. I hung around camp. I went to USF, uh, University of South Florida. That was at the time where the school did not have a football team. So there wasn't all that college football experience there. So, you know, we, we had other sports and, you know, we got around to other things like that. And going back there a couple years later, there was a, another Beta Alpha Psi faculty softball game. So I actually watched it and, and you know, the jokes were quite funny at that point, because he was pitching again. And it's like, I'm sure you, you really want to do that. But uh, yeah, it, it was it was interesting. So one of
2: the things that intrigued me about your career history is it looks like you started in industry or, or very quickly got into industry. And, and you had quite a career in industry before, you know, going out on your own and, and doing your own thing. Tell us about, I guess, how did you get started in the pharmaceutical <laughs> industry there. What, what
0: were those first few years of your career like? So yeah, let's go back a little further than that. So like I said okay. earlier, the accounting world was condensing. The Big Ten was going down to eight to four. And there were not a lot of accounting jobs out there when I graduated from college. So one of the things that I encountered was a really hard time, even just getting interviews, because at my college, there weren't but maybe two accounting students that got hired by the big four. So I worked my summers through college at the local Jiffy Lube franchise. And, and this is, you know, we're going to segue right off of there. So as a kid growing up, I worked in my dad's gas station. My dad was an auto mechanic, and I basically grew up with a wrench in my hand, and I could fix pr- probably anything. And I grew up around cars, so it was just natural for me to go there. And I spent three summers working at Jiffy Lube. And when I couldn't get a permanent position, they hired me to run one of their stores. And basically, it was all right, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Here I was with an accounting degree from USF. And here I'm running a Jiffy Lube store. So I get a phone call from a friend. He's like, hey, are, are you ready to get a real job? I'm like, yeah, yeah, please. So ended up, he was getting promoted out of a job and he was not even in an accounting in school. Wasn't even thinking about being an accountant and he was hired to be a regional accountant for a nursing home company. So he thought of me first to replace him. So I'm like, oh, that's great. I went down, drove down to Miami and two days later I was going to Fort Myers for training. And that's started off about seven years in healthcare for me. So I started out as a regional accountant, training office managers how to do accounting on paper, of all things. And basically, they'd fill out the papers and send them into the office. They'd be keyed in, and they'd get the report sent back, and then they'd have to verify everything. And that was the first time, to me, I realized that that entry was a problem. Because 50% of the data that was being sent up was being done incorrectly and having to be corrected. So I did a stint at this company, went to another company, moved up from regional controller into a divisional controller position there, moved on. And that's about when I started in with the manufacturing company over in Orlando and started there. I went in as an accountant to help out. They had. A copy of QuickBooks and 25 PCs and a sneaker net. And back in the late ni- or early 90s when that was, that was basically you walked around the building with your diskettes in your hand and you'd swap them out, swapping out all of your data that way. So went in there and immediately set up networks, got the system set up. And the accounting was in the owner's 83-year-old mother's head. All of it, all the pricing, all the invoices, she would key it all into QuickBooks every day. And I had to get that taken care of and get that off of her plate. So that was my first true small business migration. And that was back in the early 90s. And I took this company off of QuickBooks into an installation of Mass90 and a couple of databases that handled the inventory management for a pharmaceutical plant. And I spent some time working with the developers of that platform to make sure it did all the inventory properly and tracked all the lots and we were able to do all the batch tracking that we needed to do. And I pretty much got involved in every aspect of that business, all the way from the inventory procurement to mixing the batches of drugs to testing the equipment, pulling data off the equipment. I had my my hands on everything. And it was one of the funnest jobs I ever had. I got to do what I loved, which was accounting. Learned the inventory side of the business. I learned the operation side of the business. And I got to play with these really expensive toys. Yes.
2: Yeah. You mentioned you had an affinity for technology already earlier in life. So that that makes a lot of
0: sense. Yeah. And you know, basically, they had these million-dollar machines that were basically creating the vials plastic vials and filling them at the same time and sealing them and being packaged. And it was just, it was organized chaos, so to speak. And to watch these machines do its thing was incredible. So I spent uh, about almost five years there and it was a really good five years. And towards the end of my tenure there, I met somebody that worked in one of the labs and we had a conversation and sparked basically my next entrepreneurial move, which was to start Total Nutrition Technology. And that basically came out of a conversation in the lunchroom at the pharmaceutical plant I was working at. So we started this company. It was uh, Labor Day weekend, and it was on my dining room table and started formulating nutritional supplements. And you're like, what? Nutritional supplements? Yeah. Yeah. So. You know, you go to GMC and you buy the protein supplement. Yeah. I actually ran a company that manufactured that product. And I got to drink and taste a lot of really, really bad protein. <laughs> we, ha- we had a taste test every batch. And we had to do the R&D to find out what tastes good. And that, I mean, ultimately, you can't sell a product that doesn't taste good. So, you know, you'd set up 10 cups and everybody, you know, drink from it and blind test and okay, we pick that. We pick you know, and we sit there and see which tastes better. And undoubtedly we'd always never have a unanimous choice and we'd have to do it all over again. So we drank a lot of really, really bad protein. And I got to the point where I can't drink it anymore today. But that business, basically, I was able to take everything I had done in my career up to that point and pretty much jump it into this business. From manufacturing, the whole accounting side, running an e-commerce system, the whole manufacturing distribution and warehouse management, I ha- we had done it all. And we had built it on a lot of the databases that we had built at the pharmaceutical plant. And the developers actually worked with me to build a front-end sales system for it as well, which you know, is predecessor to any of the e-commerce sites that we have today.
2: I'm curious. But, so, and I'm glad you're you're bringing this up because when I saw that, I, I was curious if it was you know a direct marketing vitamin supplement you know kind of of company where you're right. marketing someone else's products or, or something that you know you you started from scratch. I guess did did you have a nutrition partner in this because I, I could see you being the ops and the ops guy and the finance guy, or are you gifted in, I guess, that area as well?
0: (laughs) My partner at the time was a chemist, and she had that entire background from a prior employment that she had. So that's kind of how that conversation evolved. You know, I had the business side, she had the technical knowledge of the product, and we brought that together to start this company. Okay. Yeah, no, it was a perfect marriage of our abilities at that point, and it worked well for a while.
2: I was curious because I mean, obviously, we haven't met in person. I didn't know if you were, you know, a bodybuilder and this was, you know, your passion as well—the yeah. <laughs> vitamin supplements and yeah. uh, that kind of thing. So I, you I said it not worked. A
0: bodybuilder, but yeah, <laughs> it, it worked well for a while.
2: Okay, what did you learn from that experience? What did you enjoy about it? And then, I guess, how did it end up running its course eventually?
0: So, from a business owner standpoint it was torture Hmm. having to manage employees that you had to get in there to work in a manufacturing facility where it was hot and they had to wear protective equipment and nobody wanted it to follow the rules so here i was i was overweight i was 360 pounds at the time i would put the scrubs on i'd go out there and work and try to lead by example and you know i'd get it done but you know, it just trying to get everybody to pick up the slack and, and follow the company line just didn't happen because that was the type of people that were working on the line at the time. And, you know, in order to make the product where we were located, that was who we had to hire to do that. And, you know, I would find myself getting ready to close up for the day and find out the forklift had run into the, into the door and we couldn't close the door. Everybody had left, didn't report any of that. So it's like, all right, you know, for me, that wasn't truly what I wanted to be doing. I wasn't having fun doing those things anymore. The fun parts for me were dealing with the technology. And, you know, we, we had, we were running, like I was saying, on these databases in QuickBooks. And here's a, an interesting tidbit I had built this integration to take the data out of the SQL servers, push it through access, through a platform into QuickBooks. And it worked fine for a while, but had an issue on every third Friday of the month, it would error out and not push the orders in. And I let it go for a year. I could not figure out what was causing it. And finally, after 12 months of dealing with that and having to manually push all these transactions in, I gave up and I decided it was time to get a fully integrated system that would work. And this is one of those aha moments for me today, because if I knew then what I knew now about cloud technology and the apps that we use today, it would have saved me about $140,000. Oh. So we implemented Microsoft Gray Plains, had to put in three new servers and a front-end e-commerce and inventory management platform. So that took about six months to do all of that work, implement all the servers, implement all the software, set it up, get it up and running, and it worked beautifully. And it allowed me to go into the servers and create these great reports to make the distribution much more efficient, be able to, instead of pulling from pick lists, we were able to build reports of all the products that had to be picked and do it all in bulk. So we were building efficiencies, And we didn't even know it at the time. We were just trying to get orders out the door because we were drowning in orders. So those were the things that I truly loved about it. But dealing with those human issues of people on the line and dealing with getting them motivated, that just didn't click for me because I was that back office person, you know? And same, well, it's the same as when I started the digital CPA. I didn't have the natural ability to go out and speak in front of people. It wasn't who I was. I had to develop that and it took, it took a lot of time. And now I think I could actually deal with those situations a whole lot better than I could then because of all the experiences that I've had since then. But being in the situation then it just wasn't a good fit for me. And at that point, my partner and I decided it was time to split and I went on my way and she's still running the company today.
2: Okay. So tell us about the digital CPA, I guess. How did you, did, did you immediately transition into that or, or did you start, you know, Jay Kimmelman accounting services and eventually progress to what you've got now? What
0: How did that progress? So that divorce, so to speak, happened in November of 2011. Okay. The digital CPA actually started as a technology company in 1998. I was oh. building websites and doing IT support and building computers and selling computers and doing taxes at the same time, because I was doing tax on the side as well, which is where it kind of started. Wow. And Are you
2: one of these guys that just, you've, you've got to have a lot going on?
0: <laughs> I, I do. I okay. so do. And yes, while I was working at the pharmaceutical plant, I started the technology company as an offshoot to help expedite things there. and you know, it was a growing company. They needed PCs. They didn't want to buy PCs. So I actually was a middleman and I actually brokered bringing them in at wholesale. I assembled them all, sold them off and did all that while I was working at this pharmaceutical plant. So yeah, I I can't sit still. I got to have two or three things going at once at all times. So yeah, that's kind of where I started. I started since it was November. I'm like, yeah, I kind of had a little cushion coming out from the uh, old company. So I'm like, I had some time to get started. And I'm like, you know what, let's do this. We're at a good time. I've done taxes before. We can jump into this and use that as as a jumping point. I also thought with my background, I'd be able to pick up some clients in the manufacturing space and thinking I'd be able to do some remote work there. But that didn't really work out as I planned. What actually did take off was that I met a few other clients locally after joining a local chamber and actually learning how to deliver an elevator speech. <laughs> that was truly interesting. My first minute and a half elevator speech lasted 13 seconds. <laughs> and, and as an accountant, you know, I was behind the scenes. I had always done everything behind the scenes. I was never the front man. I never had a talk. Well, i would be talking a meeting about, you know, accounting things to management, but I never got up to try to sell something. And that was the true learning experience for me for the next three years was learning how to stand up and actually sell myself and not sell myself short. As an accountant, I'm definitely not a marketer. I am much better at it today. But I definitely wasn't back then.
2: I, I'm curious, so, as long as we're on that, that line yeah. of thought, what, what else did you do to develop that ability to get out of your shell?
0: So I joined five different chambers at that point, And I was meeting with people and networking and just doing the best I could. And I will say the best opportunity I got was... A friend took me along to a networking group with the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of Metro Orlando. And that was the best experience I ever had. And the best decision I ever did was joining that chamber. I met some people that really helped bring me out and, you know, embracing a different culture than what I was used to. And I was brought up as, as a man, you don't hug a woman. You know, they come up and they everybody's hugging on you. And it's like, my wife's like, what, what, Jay, Jay actually hugged you? It's like, <laughs> yeah. So it really helped opening myself up to a new culture and a new thing really helped me open up everything at that point. And so much to the point where I was voted to be the leader of the actual American group I was in. And my wife's like, but they know you're not Hispanic, right? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they know. <laughs> you know, it's just the people were so inviting and, you know, we, we had such a good time and they were such good people that i made friends for life at this group. And it was, it was life changing, truly was. And, you know, that's what I, I tell people that are starting out today. It's like, yeah, I'm fully out in the cloud now. I'm, I don't do a lot of work locally, but you've got to start out making those relationships and really building those local relationships, whether you know, you want to work with people in your community or not. You want, let's say you want to build a, a vertical that isn't necessarily in your local area, but you still got to build those relationships at home because you never know when you're going to run into something that you need, one of your clients needs, and those are the people that are going to pull you out of that and deliver and make you that valued advisor to your client. Hmm. And that's one of those things that I will never forget. That's one of the, one of the things that has really helped me was having these people in my back pocket to pull out and at any moment say hey this guy call him up he's going to you know make you look like a hero and that's how it ended up
2: that's a good point thank you we we do a lot of talk about remote work here and so often now the self-employed accountants we've had on the show are doing a substantial amount of work for people that they don 't see that frequently you know, <laughs> because they 're out of town right. but i i hadn't thought about it from the resource standpoint that 's some good insight
0: for sure yes I, I got to say that that has stuck with me, no matter where my clients are. I still have these resources in my back pocket that I can throw out at any moment, and I know that they have my back because you know you don 't want to refer somebody that is not going to deliver for you. So you've got to have your people and, and know who they are when you need them.
2: Yes. So tell us what the digital CPA looks like now, because I was looking online. It looks like you have a, a small team as well. It's, it's built up <laughs> over the years.
0: Yeah. So back then it was me. I was driving all, all over Orlando, you know, doing networking, going to all these meetings, and trying to get work done and doing accounting at night so I can go out and make relationships so I could do sales. But today, we are a team of four. I have two others here locally in Central Florida, and we are also using the outsourced accountant, uh, Toa Global, over in the Philippines. We have one worker over there, and she has done a tremendous amount for us since we've brought her on. And it has completely exceeded all of our expectations.
2: So this is a little off topic. I'm curious, how did you find the individual in the Philippines? Was there a service you used? Or?
0: Yeah, so the Outsourced Accountant is a company oh. that it has a headquarters in the Philippines and an office in San Diego here in the U.S. And I was at a meeting at the WeWork in Austin, meeting with the Zero Austin team. And one of the partners brought it up and I had always been an opponent of offshoring, but as I'm looking at it, it just started making sense. And this was like the third time that it was mentioned. And then after that trip, I had gone to the accounting salon and that is a event that Amanda Evyard puts on as well. And one of the other attendees there mentioned it, uh, Heather Smith from Australia. So it's like, okay, this was the fourth time that somebody's mentioned this company and this name. I need to reach out and see what's going on here. And I did, and that was in May of last year. We did our interviews remotely via Zoom in June, and our worker started, she had a a week or two of internal training, and we brought her on in September, and she's been just doing Awesome work, sense. Okay,
2: now I'm curious from a positioning standpoint with your company. You know, there's there's a lot of bookkeepers that can log into a client's zero account or remotely access their QuickBooks and do their bookkeeping. How do you position yourself? I guess what what makes the digital CPA different from the bookkeeper sitting at home that that will do that kind of service? The service I just described.
0: Well, from my perspective, my differentiator when it was just me was I was a CPA, but also a business owner sitting in that same desk that you're sitting in. And I can actually anticipate the needs that you're going to have because I was in a startup business, a growth business. And I knew what I needed from a insurance aspect, a banking aspect, a lending aspect insurance things like that so that I can actually be thinking ahead of you and you know being able to give you the advice you need to really supercharge your business and that's kind of where I where I was when I started now it's you know we're focusing on e-commerce businesses I actually mentioned this earlier but I actually built an e-commerce website in the early 90s I didn't have it that you can actually pay with it because I didn't have a gateway connected to it. But I was actually selling product on the internet back in the 90s. And it has really been a love of mine as I went in through that, through Total Nutrition and doing the B2B and B2C sales there through online methods there. And so e-commerce is in my blood. And that truly is a differentiator for me because I fully understand all aspects of it. I understand the accounting, the inventory side, the distribution. So I'm coming from it from an expert that has done it for 20 years. Beautiful. The the key, though, is translating that knowledge. And that's always been one of the hardest things, you know, bringing on a team. One of those things for me has been delegation. You know, for years, my wife's like, you need to start teaching your team. You can't do it all. But I'm like, you know, I could do it in 30 minutes where if I'm going to train it, it's going to take three hours to do it. And it's like, yeah, but you've got to do it. And that has been the hardest thing ever for me. I'm great at it now because I've, I've actually, I think I finally matured, <laughs> but I can actually give up my work and have the patience to train it to others and allow them to make the mistakes that I know they're going to make and not have to just do it and take the time to do it myself. And that, honestly, has been the hardest thing I've ever had to do.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, delegating always is. <laughs> it's the hardest part of growth. I'm glad you brought that up because I was sort of curious. You mentioned a zero conference in Austin. You partner with Amanda Aguilard And she's in New Orleans. You're in Mm -hmm. Florida. You travel a lot, don't you? I do, yes. So you have to have a team behind (laughs) you that that can get some work done.
0: (laughs) I do. And honestly, I wouldn't be able to do my, my job as Zero Ambassador if I didn't have the team behind me doing work back home. Now, if I didn't use Zero, I wouldn't be able to do this either because it wouldn't give me the freedom to do what I need to do wherever I'm at. So I don't need to be in my home office where I happen to be this week. But I was home last week. Before that, I was gone pretty much the prior three weeks. I was at three different shows in four different cities. And, you know, had my laptop and an iPad and I was able to do what I needed to do, meet with my clients, do whatever I needed to do. And that's what I really love about being in the cloud and the freedom that Zero has given me.
2: You know, as long as we're on that topic, I was curious because I've, I've seen that title, I guess, so to speak, you know, Zero Ambassador a couple of times. And, and I'm, we may have discussed this with Amanda. I don't remember. But what is involved with being a Zero Ambassador? What do you
0: do in that role? So the number one thing that I do is talk about the product and connect it between the people at Zero and the firms that are trying to use the product itself. So... I was approached four years ago by Amy Vetter that Zero was starting this program of Zero Ambassadors and I was truly honored to be there with Amanda, Blake Oliver, and David Emmerman as the first four Zero ambassadors. And basically what we wanted to do is really get down to the local level and try to make change within our profession and try to get the cloud adoption higher, try to get in with firms, you know, this is where the zero community thing really started, which, you know, you're there in San Antonio. So you have the Austin, San Antonio community, and there are 13 communities throughout the U.S. right now. And today I work with the Houston and Austin, San Antonio community and the Chicago community. And I work with the teams there and I go to events that they're doing or If they need help talking to a firm, they'll reach out and say, hey, Jay, you've done this. Can you talk to this firm? They're having these issues. And can you explain how you've gone about it and talk about your experiences? So it's all about what we've done to get where we are today. And that's what we're doing. We're talking about what we've done and our successes and also our failures to help you as you're going through this journey to avoid those failures.
2: Beautiful. Beautiful. We've got a few questions. We end every podcast with, and and I do want to be respectful of your time. I appreciate yeah. the detail you've given us on on a lot of this. Actually, there was there was much more here than I realized, which is wonderful. <laughs> I am curious. You, we didn't even talk about Blue Wire yet, yeah, but also you've got got the you know the Blue Wire endeavors. You've got the Digital CPA. The work you're doing with Zero. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if you do work just under your own name or, you know, as well, you know, Jake Kimmelman CPA, but where, where do you see all this going? If you achieve success or continue to achieve success the way you like, you know, five or 10 years from now, where, where do you see it all going? What's your vision? At
0: this point, I'm looking at building the, the digital CPA at this point because I am in my early fifties at this point and I'm looking at, you know, at some point getting out of the, I'm um, doing the air quotes, accounting business. <laughs> but I honestly truly love working with younger accountants and helping them learn the ways of, of the cloud and, and getting them as efficient as possible and teaching the efficiencies and helping build profitable, scalable firms. And that's truly where I want to head and, and what I want to do. And, you know, that's kind of where blue wire fits in. That's, kind of where the digital integrator fits in. That's another one of my companies where we do cloud integrations for firms that don't have the skills or the time to do it. So we can actually do that for you and help launch cloud apps or do a migration from a Great Plains to a Deer inventory or an unleashed inventory or something along those lines. And teaching the next generation of accountants how to do all this work so that they don't make those mistakes that we did. That's truly what I want to do and pass on.
2: Wonderful. Yeah, you know it gets to where eventually when you've done something a long time and, and you've been successful at it, the real joy comes in, in teaching others. <laughs> you know how to, how to do this For
0: same. sure. And, and honestly, if it wasn't the fact that I learned how to delegate, I probably wouldn't feel the same way.
2: Um, yeah, teams are important.: Well, I do end every podcast with the same three questions. The first one's usually the easiest. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest
0: moment? Oh, my proudest moment was standing on the stage at ZeroCon 2016, being awarded the Zero MVP, the most valued partner. I think is what it was, most valued partner or professional. Most valued professional is what it was, and it was for me giving to the cloud community at that point and being nominated by somebody of my peers made it really special. That is cool. That is cool. Well, second
2: question and usually the most fun. Tell us about a lesson you learned the hard way. And
0: the more you can tell
2: us, you know, the more details the better, because that's that's really (laughs) how we learn.
0: (laughs) Yes. So in a prior life, which I've talked about, I was in a partnership and did not have a very good partnership agreement. So the lesson there is when you're a partner with somebody, it's like a marriage and you have to protect yourself. Make sure you get the legal advice and build that partnership agreement and make sure you protect yourself because that was one heck of a lesson for myself. You know, I've often talked to people that have sunk money into a business or they've made some decisions and they're like, well, I'm out, you know, X dollars. And I just say, no, it's actually tuition. You've actually paid for an education. And that's how I look at it. <laughs> yeah.
2: It may be the most expensive education yes, you've ever got. <laughs> exactly.
0: But you will never make that mistake again.
2: <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's a, that's a nice positive spin, for sure. <laughs> well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you've
0: ever received? Now it's better than perfect. As an accountant, you got to have everything tied out, nice and neat, tied to the penny. You know, that website needs to be perfect. You can't release this piece or whatever you're working on until it's perfect. But it's never perfect. You got to just let it go, push it out there, and then you just keep perfecting it as it's going. And honestly, it was the best thing I ever heard because... I'd probably still be working on that first website that I designed for for the digital CPA back in 2012.
2: Yeah, that is a really important lesson to learn in business. Working towards perfection is a great
0: way to go broke. Oh, completely.
2: Well, thank you. That is great advice to end this on. I really appreciate that you spent the time to do this because it's been fun, in addition, to being informative. You're wonderful to interview. Thank you so much, Jay.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciated the time and thanks for listening. I'm glad to be here. No problem.
1: Well, that was my interview with Jay Kimmelman. And some of the takeaways that I personally have from this interview were that, number one, with today's technology and accounting, you can pretty much design your job or, or at least your business however you would like to fit in with your life. However, you would like. Whether you'd like that busier, whether you'd like it a little more simple, you pretty much can build it however you want it with today's technology. And second, I found it interesting how he got out of his shell. He describes himself as being more introverted early on, and you could tell from the interview that he's definitely not introverted now. He pushed himself out of his box. He got involved in chambers and, and other local events, and, and obviously he's quite involved now in the industry. And that just shows that, that really if you set your mind to it, you really can't accomplish anything. Many of us think of ourselves as introverted, but I think with a little practice, we all can get out of our box if we really want to and if we really want to put in the effort. I'm really glad that Jay made time for this interview. I truly enjoyed recording it. Like I mentioned before, if you find value in this episode, please check us out online. You can find us at www.whereaccountantsgo.com. One publication that may interest you is our first book, 49 Tips for a Successful Accounting Career. It's been a little over a year now. You can find it on Amazon, of course, but you can find it also on our own website for immediate delivery at whereaccountantsgo.com. Well, thank you again for joining us. I'm Mark Goldman, your host for Life and Accounting, the Where Accountants Go podcast, and we will see you all next week. There's more to come.